Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Chicka what, chicka yeah, chicka wah wah, year two bitches. That's right, bruh. It's year two, and I'm your host Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. We're coming at you, not live. That's for damn sure. But hey, welcome to the show. As always, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Nick's Nerd News. Listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Or, hey, just uh, if you want all those fancy links all wrapped into one place, check out nicksnerdnews.com, where you find everything in one simple, tiny little place. Let's get this party started, if you will. Right? Right? Right. And before we really get things started, just uh, want to let you guys know, we're going to little do a little different with Game of Thrones this week. Going to talk about last week and this week, just because... With next week being the last episode, I don't want to get too far removed from everything. I, uh, granted, it's Game of Thrones. It will stay in out in the universe for quite a while. I, I just don't want to lose out on hype, if you will. Uh, we're also going to talk about Detective Pikachu today. I did get to see that this weekend. Hope you guys all had a good Mother's Day. But let's get right to it, bruh. Bruh. chicka <laughs> We're on a good one today, aren't we? Anyway, uh, as we kind of hinted at last week, well, I didn't hint at, but Ubisoft did, Ghost Recon Breakpoint was announced. It will come to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One October 4th. It, you can pre-order it now. It will have several different versions available, as per all Ubisoft games. And it looks like it's going to be... Practically a, a direct sequel to Wildlands. So it looks like it's going to be taking place on an island and you'll be separated from your normal team. You're playing as the main guy from, from Wildlands. I, I can't think of his name right now. And you're going up an interesting villain, actually played by John Bernthal, who I guess they recently added to Wildlands. I haven't played Wildlands in quite a bit. Maybe going to have to hop back in. Didn't really get to play a lot of the, the Year 2 stuff. But... They recently added him. He's going to be the main villain of Breakpoint. And, and they announced some pre-order stuff. So if you pre-order now, you'll have access to the beta, which is to be determined. A Hammer MK2 vehicle, a Sentinel MK2 heavy outfit, and a Valor assault rifle, whatever. I'm guessing those are important to the game. Uh, if you place your order with Best Buy, you'll get some other credit at launch. I don't know. Anyway, uh, several different editions. There's the standard edition that comes with the base game. That's it. There's the gold edition, which comes with a base game, the year one pass, and a steel book. There's the ultimate edition, which is digital only. Uh, comes with base game, year one pass, off-road pack, bonus mission, survivor pack. Oh. And then the Wolves Collector's Edition, which is on Ubisoft's website alone. So everything in the, the previous three versions, but it also comes with a figurine, walker dog tag, and the soundtrack. Oh, and, and the steelbook, which isn't obviously in the basic or s digital edition. The standard edition is $60, obviously. The gold edition is 
$100, also comes with three-day early access, two post-release DLCs, a launch mission, early unlock for three new classes, and Spec Ops Forces pack. The digital edition, so this off-road pack comes with a, a motorcycle, another vehicle, some vehicle skins, as well as, uh, this is also in the year one pass, so a special handgun, a knife, and some credits and boosters, I'm guessing, for some other things. And then the Ultimate Wolves Collector's Edition, like I said, comes with a steelbook, some other nifty gadgets here, as well as uh, that statue. Looks like John Bernthal's character. And lithographs, so some art, a waterproof map. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, that launches October 4th. Can't wait. That's going to be real fun. I had a lot of fun, like I've said before, with Wildlands, so can't wait to see where that goes but that's it uh big news for sony fans if you have playstation 4 you finally have access to ea access at least you will pretty soon finally coming to ps4 which has been available on xbox one since 2014 uh the only downside to this version is uh, you have to create a new account if you own both systems so you can't use the same one you use for xbox one so that means paying twice and uh there's no like backwards compatibility on, on this one, obviously because of PS3 and its cell architecture, there isn't really backwards compatibility on PS4 at all, uh, but you won't get it on EA Access like you can on the Xbox One edition. But look out, be on the lookout for that. That launches soon. If, if you've been waiting, you get early access to a lot of EA games. Uh, you get access to a lot of older EA games for free as part of your subscription. Obviously, only having access as long as you have that subscription. Uh, coming soon. And uh, got a couple of different news pieces from Video Games Chronicles, a new website that's popped up that's been getting a lot of interviews. Might not be new. I'm just ne I've never heard of it before personally. Um, they got some really high-profile interviews. The first of which was with the series lead of Tekken over at uh, you know Bandai Namco, and uh, said this in regards to Tekken X Street Fighter. Um, so if 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 you don't know, Tekken X Street Fighter was a game that was announced eons ago at this point in cooperation with Capcom. Uh, so they were going to do Tekken X Street Fighter and Street Fighter X Tekken, which in Street Fighter X Tekken, which actually did come out, and I personally did not like the game, but it took Tekken characters versus Street Fighter characters and put them into like Street Fighter 2D art, like that art style. And then Tekken X Street Fighter was supposed to follow, which would take the characters from Street Fighter and put them in the Tekken world and be more realistic looking, things like this. And suffice to say, it has never released at all. And the series lead finally at, over at Tekken said this. Uh, his name's Katsuhiro Harada. It's harder to justify release. While Tekken 7 is still doing so well, it's very successful as a service game, especially with all the DLC they've had and everything like that. So... Tekken 7 must be doing very well. I mean, I, I have it. I love it. It's 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 great. It's a great continuation of the series. But they must be, like, doing hand over fist, especially because it came out in arcades as well, to them to have to be able to justify not making a Street Fighter game. Granted, Street Fighter has has waned a bit in, in popularity in terms of fighting games. Don't get me wrong. I know it's at, at Evo and, and does well every year and, and things like this. I just know that Street Fighter is not as popular as, as it was when Street Fighter V came out a few years ago. Hence, you have 
Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. You have Mortal Kombat. You have, you have a lot of other games that are taking up the fighting game space. So obviously, it, Street Fighter is, is not number one like it would have been maybe just a few years ago. So it it must be doing really well. Uh, and Tekken, hell, Tekken's in that space, occupies that space as well. So interesting to hear. Seems to me like Tekken X Street Fighter might never come out. <laughs> um, also from Video Game Chronicles, uh, Platinum Games, the the game director over at Platinum Games was, was being interviewed as well and said, uh, fans should not direct all their anger at Microsoft in terms of the cancellation of Scalebound, uh, which was a major loss for Xbox, uh, was it uh, a year and a half ago now or so? And he had to say this, uh, both failed when it came to the project, we want to make sure that the publisher who gave us a chance to make a game in the first place isn't treated poorly. And, and granted, I understand this idea that both are to blame and maybe not everything should be directed at Microsoft. It's probably best, and I, I heard this on, an, on, on another podcast, uh, but they, they said like maybe it's best that Microsoft does take the blame because you don't want to put all the blame on on, on Platinum because that could hurt them in the long run. Microsoft can afford to take a few extra punches compared to everyone. And it, it's interesting for one to see a, a developer come out and say this because it's not something that, that you would expect them to talk about. But interesting, interesting nonetheless, that's, that's for sure. And uh, I wonder if it will change opinions from from other people in, in regards to that i i don't know i don't think it will but we don't know we don't know what what what's going to happen from that sony also recently announced two new psvr game bundles uh the first one includes blood and truth and everybody's golf the second of obviously and it's a games and a psvr i mean I, I didn't think i had to clarify that just just doing so just in case and the next being Trover Saves the Universe and Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't understand what that game's appeal is, but I do understand the appeal of Trover Saves the Universe. It is from Justin Roiland, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, and has that blend of humor. So if you love Rick and Morty like me, you'd probably be interested in Trover Saves the Universe. Uh, that's also available uh, not on P on v VR. So if like you want to play it on like PC or shit like that, I, I'm pretty sure it's available. Uh, actually, it is available. I've, I've looked into it. I, I don't know what features you lose out on if you don't have VR, though. But anyway, if you love Rick and Morty, I would definitely play that game. With John Wick coming out this week, also got an announcement for jo John Wick Hex, a new strategy game that will be on the uh, Epic's, Epic Game Store and will come to console soon, but it's uh, not much is known about it. No release date yet. But uh, just be on the lookout for that if you're a fan of John Wick. And, uh, you know, speaking of EA, uh, EA is planning to make changes to development and release strategy in the wake of Anthem's disappointment. Uh, they said they were looking to understand why launch launches and, and games like that don't necessarily launch as well in the U.S. And they, they kind of are looking at how games are released in uh, the Eastern world, not not the not Western world, and just how they have a lot more betas and, and test launches and soft launches and things like that. And granted, you know, gamers in the U.S. are very impatient, and Europe, I guess you could throw them in, in there as well, and just kind of want games available as soon as they're available. And, you know, there, there's this whole thing where people complain about day one patches and all this, and games have to meet a certain launch date and 
you know, they're they're beholden to to stakeholders and stockholders and and things like this at at, at depending on the company and it's it just a, a real shitty situation all around. But I, I agree that maybe we should have more soft launches and betas and things like this, especially on games like that where you're going you're you're having a studio who's used to making like a linear campaign that that that's a set point and of of time that it takes to finish and then you're having them create a game that has that same campaign but then hundreds of of possible if not thousands of hours i mean granted that's that's extreme but you know like 2 3 4 500 hours of of post launch content and and you expect them to all have it done and ready at launch, which is a ridiculous ex- expectation. I mean, if, if that was the truth, that game wouldn't have come out for another, like, six years. And it, 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 it it's something I, I, I would agree with. I, I like when games do betas, because that way you can get an idea of what, what's to come. The developer knows how to treat things, how the community will, will respond. Uh, I, I, I welcome that from EA, especially since they've been getting a lot of flack lately. A lot of people are hating on them. They still make games that I want to play, so I'm, I'm going to get them regardless. I'm, I'm going to be a little impartial when it comes to that. I'll still be pissed, but I'm not going to be like, fuck you. Like, that's just being dumb, because then you miss out on stuff that ends up being really good. But, yeah, uh, let, let's see, though, if they stay true to their word. That That's, that's a major thing, though. Uh, Sony had its second state of play this past week. Uh, it's almost like what Xbox does with Inside Xbox. Um, it's a way for them to interact with fans, essentially. Um, they announced that the Medieval remake uh, will release October 25th. Also dropped a new trailer for that. Got a new trailer with gameplay of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Still no date on that. We'll see if that ever comes. Uh, the uh, trailer for Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Uh, also a release date, so September 6th. That's going to be the new DLC for, for Monster Hunter World. And then a new Predator game was announced called Predator Hunting Grounds, uh, expected to release next year from the makers of the Friday the 13th game. And it looks to be a, uh, they said it's going to be 4v1 in like a tropical setting, uh, which is perfect because that's how a Predator game should work. It should be one person versus like a squad, so you can live out your, your uh, get to the chopper and, uh, you know, situations like that. And, and uh, you can pretend to be Arnold and be like, you are one ugly motherfucker. You know, like that whole scene from, from The Predator, one of the greatest action movies of all time. That was a terrible interpretation of Arnold. But my, my get my get to the chopper was, better, you know, get to the chopper, get to the chopper. You know, like it's just very, very extreme accented situations and, and things like this. But yeah, uh, Predator Hunting Grounds next year. In another blow to Steam, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not really that funny, but it helps competition. Uh, Outer Wilds, which is uh, a game that was announced on Xbox stage last year at E3, or was it two years ago, maybe? Um, which it's also coming to be an exclusive on Xbox One when it launches there. Uh, will be a timed exclusive on Epic, so that means it will come to Steam eventually. Uh, but it's going to be a game where you can like travel to different planets and... And interact with them, and and yeah, almost like No Man's Sky, I've I've heard it compared to, um, but that that's going to be going to Epic uh, for a, a limited time, and then uh, last bit of video game news here: the senator from Missouri, Republican Josh Hawley, has introduced a bill to ban mitro- microtransactions here in the U.S. Now, that's uh, 
interesting coming from a Republican con- uh, senator, I should say, considering they're very pro-business lately and doing something like that is very anti-business, at least in the minds from the major game publishers. Whereas to gamers, they're viewed as very predatory and very anti-consumer. But um, so Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, in his bill, though, it's a, it's a little uh, it, it's it's not great, but it's a step in the right direction, I guess you could say. So this story was reported by The Hill, which is a online newspaper based out of D.C., and uh, his legislation, I guess, is called the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. It's focusing mostly on kids under the age of 18 uh, who are purchasing in-game goods through marketed free-to-play games that have easy in-app purchases for kids to buy in order to release more content. Uh, This is per IGN reporting on it, the article from The Hill. Uh... Holly released a statement saying, Social media and video games prey on user addiction, siphoning our kids' attention from the real world and extracting profits from fostering compulsive habits. No matter this business model's advantages to the tech industry, one thing is clear. There is no excuse for exploiting children through such practices. That's a lot of grandstanding if you, if I ever heard it. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of microtransactions, you know. Uh, per the Washington Post and Juniper Research, uh, they said that it, it's a growing industry. Uh, in-game purchases for loot box could be more worth worth more than fifty billion by twenty two. Uh, he also said, Holly, when a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction, and when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from comp- compulsive microtransactions. See that I agree with. Because children don't know the difference. They they can latch on to these things very easily. Like, oh, hey, free new shiny stuff for my game so I can win. Let me do that. Adults have uh, more control, I, I, I guess you could say. More so than... I mean, granted, all, all adults can f- fall victim to, to ad- addiction, okay? And addictive habits in, in gaming. Whereas, uh, not, not as a, a real addiction, but... but certain things in regards to gaming habits like microtransactions for one whereas children might be a little more susceptible to that kind of thing and and like i said they might not know when to stop and not and know that maybe they shouldn't be doing those things so the, i i i can get behind what his goal is um granted the bill he introduced was very lacking in in substance um the ESA or Entertainment Software Association which is a lobbying firm um, also said that to look for towards countries such as Germany and Ireland who have, quote, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling, end quote. Uh, the association's president also said, we look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Which, I mean, as we all know a few years ago, uh, the I, I, Apple Play Store got in trouble or iTunes or whatever where kids could just buy shit in apps and parents would complain because they got bills for hundreds, thousands of hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars of, of just in-app purchases. I'm like, whoa, 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 that wasn't me. My kid was just clicking on shit. Granted, the games did nothing to stop that from happening until after the shit hit the fan. But, you know, it, this is an ongoing issue. I mean, other countries have already taken extreme uh, measures like ne- the Netherlands and Belgium. Uh, they declared some loot boxes and games are gambling, technically. They started to take steps to do this. The FTC is already getting involved. And uh, the ESRB, again, said, 
While there's an element of chance in these mechanics, the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content, even if the player unfortunately receives something they don't want. We think of this, think of it as a similar principle to the collectible card games. Sometimes you'll open a pack and get a brand new holographic card you've had your eye on for a while, but other times you'll end up with a pack of cards you already have. Granted, I'm not even going to get into the, the deepness of, of like collectible cards and how that's in and of itself a, a larger issue and can lead to gambling and, and other things like this. But we have to realize that microtransactions are not always in that realm. Granted, take for example what happened with Star Wars Battlefront 2 two years ago, or a year and a half ago, with it being a, a subject of play to win. That is definitely not some, something that is not okay. Pay to win is not something that anyone wants. It's not fair to anyone by any means. You shouldn't be able to buy packs that give you an advantage over other players in a way that is is not it's not balanced, right? It's it's not game breaking. I won't go that far, but it's not balanced. And if you have no balance in a game, it's not going to be fun for people. People aren't going to want to play, and they're they're going to like just not buy the game. So it, it, it's a bigger issue that needs to be addressed and and hopefully this will just spur the conversation and lead to some changes in the industry and and from the consumer's view and make everyone happy on on every side so that 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 that's a whole big discussion for another day that we can always get into but let let's kind of get now into the tv side of things we have finally gotten confirmation on what is going on with the rocco Modern Life Static Kling movie and Invader Zim Enter the Florpus movies. I guess uh, there's a blog, a fan blog online called Nick Alive, and they happened to be listening to the Viacom earnings call this week and found out that those, both of those movies are now going to Netflix. So I don't know if they're going to air on Nickelodeon still, but they will air on Netflix sometime this year. So, you know, as Rocco might say, it's like, today was a very dangerous day. But it wouldn't. It's not dangerous because it's a happy day. So it's be like today was a very informative day. You know, in his like little Australian wallaby accent. Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim are like Rocco's definitely my favorite Nickelodeon show like of all time. Invader Zim's probably top five. So I am very excited about this that these are still happening. They weren't canceled or anything. I will definitely, definitely be watching Static Cling as soon as it's available. Like, no waiting. I don't care if I'm at work or doing something. Like, putting that shit on on my phone, watching, like, instantly. Instant gratification. But, no, I'm, I'm stoked on that. Very happy. Too bad we had to learn it all through an earnings call. Um, HBO finally aired the trailer for the Watchmen show that they're doing that I had high hopes for because I trust Damon Lindelof. Hell, The Leftovers was probably one of the greatest shows HBO's ever produced. Very underrated. And while I did have some reservations because it's a it's considered a direct sequel to the graphic novel and not the film, which, granted, understandable, but again, going to have some reservations regarding that. They released a trailer, and honestly, I'm, I'm more confused than, than, than anything. I, I have no idea what's going on. You don't know anything about the setting they don't explain anything other than like there's this gang of rorschach supporters i guess and and you get an idea of, of what's going on with the cops i you don't know what the setting is uh, and i i don't know what they're trying to go for granted damon lindelof is like a master of subverting 
expectations and norms and and things like that. But I I don't I don't know, man. That, that I'm just I'm very lost, very 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 lost. And I hope I I, I hope something happens to like e- e- explain what's going on. I I can't wait to watch actually. But we'll see ultimately how that turns out in the fall. Uh, Adult Swim has ordered a new series called Bird Girl. It's a it's going to be a spin-off of Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law. That's all you really need to know about that. Uh and then uh before we get into Game of Thrones, Rob Liefeld has teased a new animated Deadpool project. Uh, Rob Liefeld being the creator of Deadpool. Uh, no word on if this was spawning off the canceled Donald Glover animated series or anything like that, but we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Anyway, let's uh, let's kind of talk about Game of Thrones here. So let, let's just do a quick recap here. The coffee cup, the infamous coffee cup, has been removed, and we'll talk about that in a second. Despite like the hatred that this this season is getting from people, especially after tonight's episode uh, hell last week had uh, the last of the starks had 17.2 million people watch granted it, it's not as high as uh the battle of winterfell or the long night but still that that's a lot of fucking people i mean we obviously we're not going to have tonight's episodes numbers for for quite a while and then god damn did ghost get done dirty huh anyway let, let's talk about the last of the starks last week and then uh, obviously tonight's the bells so, spoiler warning here. This is uh, your your last chance to turn away before we come back for for the movies. So, just uh, here here's the time for when to tune back in. Game of Thrones spoilers end at the forty three thirteen minute mark. That's when to come back. A- a- anyway, let, let's like, like I said, this is your last chance to turn away. You already heard when to come back. Here here's here's what's going on. Last of the Starks. Lot of shit happens, okay? John tells, uh, well, Bran tells Sansa and Arya about his true lineage, despite the fact that Danny did not want him to tell anyone, obviously, because that will uh, be seen as a betrayal, uh, which then leads Sansa to telling Tyrion, which we'll get into in a second. We also have the fallout, obviously, of what happened at the Battle of Winterfell. You know, this the, the episode opens with everyone burning their dead and everyone giving a goodbye to, like, their uh, character that they, they identified with the most. You know, Sansa grieves and cries over Theon. Danny cries and, and whispers something into Jorah's ear. Uh, John didn't really... Uh, I guess he did something for Lyanna Mormont. A lot, lot of different things going on. And what I, what I thought was a, a lot of great things came, came to an end. Uh, there was a great party essentially at, at in Winterfell in the Great Hall with everyone celebrating. Uh, also where everyone saw the infamous coffee cup that the internet exploded over that I didn't even notice until it was pointed out. I'm like, who the fuck is like pausing and looking for every tiny little thing? Um, but this is kind of where you can start to see uh, some issues Daenerys is starting to have. A lot of people still dr- distrust her, even though she helped win the battle in the north. And... You know, there's a, a scene where Tormund is celebrating some things over uh, over their victory, and she and he he's talking about John and only a king can ride a dragon and all this other stuff, and you, you can kind of tell that it's affecting Danny. Uh, there, there's also we also get a scene of Arya kind of celebrating on her own, 
away from the whole party, and Gendry has just been made officially Baratheon and, and Lord of Storm's End, essentially, if if Danny wins. Uh, so he goes and asks Arya for her hand in marriage, essentially like a callback to season one when uh, when Ned Stark and and uh, what's his face Robert Baratheon were talking about our 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 houses will one day be wed. Uh, Arya turns him down, saying she's not a lady. Again, a callback to season one, and this leaves Gendry like really upset. Obviously, he goes back to party upstairs. Arya sulks off. Later, we see her essentially take off with the Hound uh, as they head towards King La- King's Landing, despite the fact that they were just talking about how the Starks need to stick together. But, I mean, wh- whatever. Arya does her own thing. But then, then there's also a nice little interaction uh, during the celebration between Podrick, C- uh, uh, Tyrion, Jaime, and, and Brienne. And they're kind of playing a, like a... A, a drinking game, and, and we kind of find out that maybe Brienne is, is a virgin, and, and some other interesting interactions. What's nice is this leads to Jamie and, and Brienne having a, a touching moment, and them essentially sleeping together. Uh, we'll, we'll, but the, the problem with that is Jamie ends up like just completely doing like a complete 180, and like tells Brienne he's a terrible person, and he, he loves Cersei, and, and rides off towards Cersei. Uh, we also got, uh, 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 this party scene is real great, actually, because Tormund obviously still loves Brienne, even though she brushes him off and he has no issue with it, and just great interactions overall with just everyone. Uh, the one thing that rubbed me the wrong way, though, was Tyrion and Jaime are drinking in a bar, uh, or a, a, a tavern, I, I guess you could say, just a, a little removed from Winterfell, and this is when Bronn walks in, uh, obviously have made, have made it to the north. Threatens to kill them, tells them what Cersei wanted him to do, and then they try to get him to not kill them, and he's like, I'll wait to see what the turnout is. Luckily, thank God, because I, I, Braun is one of my favorite characters on the show, and I would have been pissed if, if they turned him into a villain like that. Um, obviously, we, we still don't know what's going on with him because he was not in uh, tonight's episode. The, the other thing, though, so er- everyone leaves Winterfell. Uh, to go back south, because now they're going to deal with Cersei, because she betrayed them all. And this is where a big oh fuck moment happens. And Rhaegal gets just fucking obliterated by Euron's Iron Fleet and his Scorpions or Ballistas. Like, like he just gets like wrecked by like five different bolts that are shot at him. Crashes into the sea, Danny flips out, takes off. A, why the hell would you be riding your dragons around Dragonstone like that? Granted, I, I understand that you expect Dragonstone to be free and clear, but it's so close to King's Landing that you're you're risking a lot not paying attention to things. Especially after how Cersei likes to plot and things like this. So then Danny starts to go back to Dragonstone, and the Iron Fleet comes within within eyeshot of of Danny's fleet. That gets obliterated by all these scorpion shots because they're just sending bolts at the the wooden ships. Knocks pretty much everyone into the water. They all end up on on Dragonstone without Missandei. Nobody knows where she is. And then this is where we have some fallout of John letting his siblings know about his true heritage. Sansa has essentially told Tyrion. Tyrion has no, now told Varys. And there's a whole discussion in the throne room on Dragonstone which amounts to, to treason, technically, within the show, because they're discussing how, technically, John should be king, and even though he doesn't want it, Varys will always fight 
for what's right for the realm, regardless of who it is. He thought it was Danny. Now he thinks it's John. And and you can tell that that he's already set things in motion that could come back to bite him. And then the episode essentially then ends. Danny with some soldiers goes to King's Landing to try and get Cersei to surrender. Uh, what it looks like is King's Landing has erected scorpions or ballistas pretty much all around the city perimeter on its walls. And they have the Golden Company. Cersei obviously laughs at, at Danny's request for surrender, or Danny's request of her to surrender. And it's they show that they have Missande captured. So, uh, Danny sends Tyrion, and Cersei sends out Kyburn to talk. And they have this parlay. Doesn't go well. Tyrion tries to make a play at, at, at Cersei's heart. Doesn't work. And then Cersei has the mountain cut off Missande's head. This might be one of the last straws for Danny, who, as we see in the next episode, The Bells, Danny's unhinged. She hasn't eaten in days. Her hair is unkempt. Uh, John and the Northmen arrive, and things are not going well. Danny is pissed. She's pissed at uh, uh, John for telling her family. She feels everyone's betrayed her. She's lost all her friends. She's really starting to show signs of being like a mad queen, which has kind of been hinted at all, all the whole series. And a lot of people felt that it was a uh, a one eight like a quick heel turn that was unearned. Yet, if you look at what Danny has done the whole series, she's burned a lot of people, killed a lot of people, uh, while also freeing people. So she she has a history of of being a little unhinged at, at times. But um, as we see, Tyrion then goes and tells her because uh, she knows she's being betrayed that it was Varys and. One of the first things that happens is Danny essentially executes Varys uh, with Drogon, which is an epic shot, by the way, having Drogon like come out of the dark as, as she she burns him. Um, it's unfortunate that we lose Varys because Varys is a great character. Um, I, I've grown on him since the beginning of the show, as you start to see that maybe he's the smartest one in in terms of what's going on, and very underestimated from the beginning. So I, I, I am going to miss him. Granted, I mean, there's only, what, a, an episode left. So I, 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 can't, I can't be that upset. But then, then we go to uh, nighttime. So the Northmen have all arrived. Uh, Arya and the Hound then show up and try to get through camp. Someone tries to block them. They get through, obviously making their way to King's Landing. Uh, and then Danny lets Tyrion know that her brother has been captured. And Tyrion goes to meet him in this little one-on-one -on -one secret rendezvous and lets him know that, uh, you know, he set up a, a thing with Davos. Davos is one of the best smugglers to, to help Jamie get out. And he has this one-on-one -on -one with Jamie. It's nice interaction. Uh, very heartfelt between Tyrion and him. Tyrion essentially tells him, try and convince Cersei to surrender. Get her to ring the bells so the gates will open so they can take King's Landing without having to destroy anything. Hence the title. And uh, there will be a boat waiting for him. Uh, from the secret packet pa passage from the Red Keep, so they could sail away to Essos and and live a life away from everything. Let's Jamie escape. Cut to the next morning. The Unsullied and the Northmen are on the front lines. Tyrion says, "Call off your men. Call off the fight. If you hear the bells ringing, it means they've surrendered." Now you can kind of see some mistrust in Grey Worm, who's usually calm and composed uh, towards Tyrion and. John, especially after the uh, the execution of Varys, um, and you can see some tension building between everyone. Obviously, 
Obviously, Grey Worm's a little unhinged more than usual because his love just died, Missandei, and, and that's affecting him more than than I expected, and that's a good thing because that that adds shows that he's more than just a, a like a faceless soldier. But this is then we cut to Euron, who's just on the fleet, just getting ready. He looks up into the sky, starts to see. Drogon essentially flying at him, being ridden by Danny, uh, tries to get everyone ready to fire, and uh, misses shots. Danny comes in, fucking obliterates the Iron Fleet. Like, I'm telling you, every single ship. And as the Scorpions are getting ready to fire around the city, she comes in, blows them out, and then literally catches everyone by surprise and destroys every single scorpion and just about 90% of the wall surrounding King's Landing. So then the Golden Company goes out to fight. Danny takes them out too. Like, there, that was a complete fucking waste. Uh, so Grey Worm charges. They're able to enter the city. They start just fucking destroying shit. The Northmen go in as well. You see some epic fucking shots of Northmen just taking out Lannister soldiers and and things like this. Meanwhile, all the people are trying to get into the Red Keep for safety. Uh, The Hound and Arya are able to get in. Jaime is not, however. So Jaime gets delayed in what he was trying to do. Arya and the Hound make it into the castle walls. So then, though... The, the Lannister soldiers decide to surrender. Jon has the Northmen stop fighting, tries to get everyone else to stop fighting. There's a little bit of a stalemate. Danny is just kind of resting on her dragon on a, on a, on a tower. And uh, Cersei is watching all of this, just knowing she's like, oh, fuck, from, from the Red Keep. Then you hear the, st- the bells start to ring. So obviously, it means they've surrendered. However, this is where unhinged Danny comes in. Someone who's lost everyone decides to just say fuck it all. Literally starts burning the entire city to the ground. And then uh, some of the Northmen and Grey Worm literally just start murdering the Lannister soldiers who had just surrendered and dropped all their swords. Catch them off guard. Meanwhile, Danny just starts killing everyone wholesale. I mean women, children, soldiers, and, and everyone. This is not a good look. Cersei gets freaked out. Danny starts destroying the Red Keep while we're at it. So Cersei now understands she needs to go, starts to leave with Kyburn in the mountain, and uh, John then decides that this is ridiculous and he's not standing for this and calls on his his Northmen to leave, even after killing one of his own men who was about to like rape someone in King's Landing. This is not a good look, I'm telling you. Like this is not good. Grey Worm has become unhinged. Danny's unhinged killing, murdering millions, or thousands, I should say. I mean, I think King's Landing's population was around a million or so. And and clearly becoming somewhat of the Mad Queen. Like, I, I kind of expected this. I always thought Danny was not going to make it through this season. We'll see what happens now next week. Um. Anyway, so the Red Keep's falling apart, and the Hound and Arya make it in. Nice little interaction with them, how the Hound tells Arya, you know, you need to go, or you're going to die. This is not the life you want to live. You don't want to be consumed by revenge and hatred. Um, Arya gets really sad, leaves, almost gets taken out by by Danny and a dragon, which I'm sure just put Danny on her shit list. Um, but then the the Hound can actually catches up to Cersei, Kyburn, and the Mountain. Little bit of a stalemate. Kyburn and Cersei are telling the Mountain like, uh, "Don't do this. You need to keep protecting me." The Mountain fucking shoves Kyburn into a wall. 
busts his head open like a fucking egg and then tosses him like he's fucking like a fucking rag doll. Good, because I fucking hate Kyburn. And then Cersei's just like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of like creep out of here. Then we proceed to get one of the best fights in the whole series with the mountain and the the hound. Um, apparently, oh, and the, the the mountain is unkillable. Pretty much, gets a, a sword shoved through his chest, doesn't phase him. Uh, gets his armor ripped off and gets sliced everywhere. Doesn't phase him. And the hound, as uh, the mountain is pushing his eyes in like he did to Oberyn, the hound stabs a uh, like a dagger right through the mountain's eye and brain. Does not kill him. So he's literally an undead zombie. So the, the the hound decides to just fuck it all and crashes him through a wall and and into a fiery death below. Great fucking fight. Even sent like shockwaves when their swords clashed. Meanwhile, Danny is continuing to, to destroy the city. And as Circe almost makes it down, we catch up with Jamie. Jamie has finally made it up to, to the castle. Meanwhile, he had to go through the city to get to the back way, and just as he was about to find the passage, uh, he gets in a sword fight with, with Euron, who showed up seemingly not dead after his ship being obliterated. Him and Jamie essentially fight to, like, their last breath. Jamie stabs Euron through the heart. Euron has already, like, stabbed Jamie in multiple places, might not survive. Jamie hobbles up. That's where he finds Cersei. As they're trying to escape through the lower passages... The, the castle just fucking crumbles on top of them. They're dead. Uh, kind of a shitty way to go out. I get it. But, I mean, I don't know. It's a little little underwhelming in that regard. And then uh, we cut back to Arya, who's struggling to escape the city. And as fire just keeps raining down, she ends up getting with some people. Tells them to not hide or they'll die. Uh, they end up all getting fucking roasted. Arya then, like, finds herself in a daze, miraculously finds a horse to escape the city. Definitely gonna go tell Jon what just fucking happened. And then we just see that the city's in ruins, Tyrion is in shock, Jon is in shock, and King's, uh, King's Landing is just burning. So now we've lost Danny, or sorry, now we've lost Euron, Cersei, and Jaime. And... I don't know what's going to happen next week. I, granted, I knew this might happen with Danny. There's been hints of this the whole time. Granted, it just took her to lose pretty much everyone. Uh, I was shocked at at, at uh, Grey Worm's kind of uh, turn because he's usually been a lot more honorable. This time he really wasn't. But I, I'll be really interesting to see what happens. I wonder if John will kill Danny or what will happen or maybe Sansa or some shit or maybe Arya ends up fucking killing her. I don't know. But very interesting to see what happens. I really don't know what's going to happen next week. I hope Tyrion doesn't die. Because they're hinting at some tension between Tyrion and Danny. Danny's gone all like dictator mode in, in the ruins. Uh, based off the preview. Tyrion's like walking around like just in shock at all the destruction. I, I just... What happens if one of them kills Danny? What happens with Drogon? What about... What are the Unsullied going to do? I... Uh, I, I hope this ends well, and I, they should have done a two-hour two episode for the final episode. I mean, that would have just been... Yeah, they would have saved themselves a lot. And it, so far, it looks like this episode's been very divisive. Um, we'll, we'll find out viewer numbers later in the week, and we'll talk about that next week, and obviously after we talk about the, the series finale. But that's Game of Thrones. Let's, uh, let's get into the movies now. So uh, uh, what, what, what's going on in Hollywood today? Probably the biggest thing was the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Uh, that dropped some major fucking bombshells on us. The multiverse? 
Are you fucking kidding me, Marvel? The multiverse? You're going to end Phase 3 and get the Phase 4 started by dropping that bomb? Yeah, so in the trailer, we find out Mysterio's a good guy. And uh, he's not from our Earth. He's from another Earth, as Fury explains it. And that the snap, or snaps, I should say, have torn a a hole in our dimension. And then, I I guess uh, on a clip on Ellen this week that Jake Gyllenhaal shared that hasn't been released online, he says that he's from Earth uh, 1's shit, I don't, uh, 818 or something. He's from a different Earth where, uh, what I want to say is where UK Spider is from. I, I, I don't remember which Earth that is. And I guess they mentioned that the main Earth is 616, which doesn't make any sense because that's the main comic Earth. There actually is an MCU Earth, which is like 100009, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm not as, as familiar with the Marvel multiverse. But that opens the doors to a lot of things. And technically, the Jake Johnson voiced Spider-Man and in Into the Spider-Verse is Earth 616. So, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not even going to dive into that whole thing. So yeah, the multiverse exists in the MCU now, and I guess also to explain why Ned and all of Peter's classmates are are the same age, despite being the five-year time gap, sorry, endgame spoilers, I guess they were all snapped as well, as described by the Russos and and the writers for Spider-Man Far From Home. So that makes sense. Sure, just some hand-wave bullshit. But yeah, the multiverse. Fuck. That's crazy. That might explain mutants and bringing X-Men and Fantastic Four in. Who knows? Disney uh, and Chairman Bob Iger gave a release update on a lot of their upcoming releases, especially with the whole Fox merger. Uh, New Mutants has not been canceled, but has been delayed to a year from now, so next April. Uh, So that movie will still come out. Uh, They also announced that the Bob's Burgers movies is still on plan for next July. So if you're a big Bob's Burgers fan, uh, the movie's coming next year. Uh, Marvel Phase 4 news will be announced sometime later in the summer. Uh, They they didn't want to really say anything just yet. Uh, Biggest news, though, came in in relation to Star Wars and Avatar. So Star Wars will be taking a three-year break, which we talked about recently, and I I think that's a, a smart move. For them, uh, the next Star Wars movie will come out in 2022. The next will be 2024 and then 2026. Uh, they did confirm that that first movie will be from the Game of Thrones creators Dan Weiss and David Benioff, or DB Weiss or Dan Weiss and D, uh, and David Benioff. So the the rumor still holds that that will be the um, that will be the Old Republic focused movie. No word yet. No official announcement. Iger said more news will follow. Uh, I mean, hell, there's Comic Con and, and D23 later in the summer. So, so who knows? Um, and with that, also Avatar was delayed. So now they're they're gonna stagger between Star Wars, Avatar. The Avatar two will come out now in 2021. So next year or two years, sorry, Avatar 3 in 2023, Avatar 4 in 2025, and Avatar 5, yes, fucking five of them, in 2027. So mark your calendars now for eight years from now, folks. And in the interest of time, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm gonna go right to my Detective Pikachu review here. Uh, there's some stuff I didn't want to talk about. We'll talk about it next week, so just, just tune in then. I, I don't want to keep you guys uh, too long. I I like to try to keep it around an hour. 
Um, but I did see Detective Pikachu, uh, for, for the episode, I should say. Uh, I did see Detective Pikachu this weekend. Uh, it has skyrocketed to the number one uh, video game movie opening weekend with around $58 million. Um, and it, it, it beat... Uh, the, the number one, uh, the previous number one, which was the Tomb Raider from 2001. Um, I really liked it. It was very fun, had a lot of heart in it and I would give it a 7.5. There were still some issues with it that I had that were, were a little, um, not great. I, I guess you could say the Pokemon looked amazing, but in, in, in terms of the story, it felt a little rushed and it, it felt some places didn't seem to line up in, in certain situations, and then there were still some things that happened that didn't have an ex explanation, or story beats were picked up and dropped at, at random random times. Uh, otherwise, it, it was mostly a cohesive story. It, it made a lot of sense. It, it, it adapted the video game well. I've never played it, but from, from things I've, I've read. Um, hence, this is a video game adaptation and not like an adaptation of, of the Pokemon story in general, because it's actually adapting uh, Detective Pikachu, the game, which was a DS game. Mewtwo's story was great. Bill Nye, the British actor, was a, a good villain. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was awesome as Pikachu, I will say that. Justice Smith played a, a really great character as well. Um, not going to do a whole lot of spoilers on this one, just because, I mean, there, there's not much to say other than um, it's an interesting story they take, essentially with with what this lab does and and how they make callbacks to uh, the original games. Actually, so there's a great callback to uh, Mewtwo escaping 20 years ago from Kanto, which is essentially the story of the the mainline Pokemon movies, like the the cartoon movies, and of course in the game 20 years ago. You know, uh, well, it's about 23 years ago now, but still, uh, that makes sense. Uh, it explains how Pikachu gets the voice and how Tim can understand him. And then there's this really weird scene that's just totally out of place that revolves around Torterra and the lab that Tim and Lucy go to to inspect. That doesn't make any sense in, in how it plays out at all, for that matter. And then the fact that, like, they don't tell anyone about the situation, which can be harmful later on. I, I, I don't know. Um, overall though, the, the Pokemon were great. The Pokemon battle they show off was awesome. And I cannot wait to see what they do with next. I know there's rumors that they want to do a, a adaptation of red and blue or possibly a, a sequel to this. Cause they already announced a sequel, but this is kind of like a definitive end. There's the way it ends is I don't see how they could do a detective Pikachu too, but I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I can't wait to see how... Uh, hopefully this continues to do well. Like I said, 7.5 for me. If they do make a red and blue, I'd be fucking stoked on that. That's for damn sure. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is the, the start of year two for us. And it's going to be... Uh, great things are coming in the pipeline, like I said last week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Check out nixnerdnews.com. You'll find links to the show for all our social media pages. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as all the places you can listen to the show, like iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Um, can't wait to, to, to share with you guys more and more. Uh, next week, we'll have a review of John Wick 3. We'll have early reactions to Rage 2. Uh, that releases this week as well. And of course, we'll be talking about Game of Thrones series finale. 
Um, maybe and 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 Arrow and the Flash end this week too, and and we'll see how that that affects the Arrowverse moving forward. But that's it. Thank you guys for listening. As always, hey, fuck the haters. You do you. Just follow your own path, right? You don't you don't need to follow anyone else's. Uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for listening to Nick's Nerd News.